Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Back here on the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM, Dave Ross, alongside Michael Lombardi. We've talked a lot about offensive linemen so far on this program today. Michael, who better to talk about it with than one of the best offensive linemen, Brian Baldinger, is going to join us right now from the NFL Network. And, Brian, it's great to have you on the program because we were just talking about this, and we're thinking, you look at some of the offensive lines so far in the NFL, one that's really surprised me, and i got to get your take on it first and foremost, the Cowboys. Because I didn't see this coming, but the push up front, they're running two running backs, Brian. Are you surprised with what they've been able to accomplish in Dallas? Well, I think it's the first time Zach Martin's been healthy in a long time. You know, he hadn't played since like week seven or eight of last year. He came in week two this year, and um, I mean, almost every run goes right behind him. But Tyron Smith is healthy, and those are probably as good of players at the right guard and left tackle position as there are in the NFL. They've graded out very high, and you can see why. I mean, they're just very difficult to beat. They've got meat hooks for hands. Um, They just have great fundamentals in taking people off the line of scrimmage, and, you know, they filled in around them. I mean, whether Terrence Steele is a much-improved player, uh, he's a hard-working kid out of Texas Tech, and he's played right tackle for Lyle Collins, and you know, the, the center was highly regarded coming out of Wisconsin. So they've done a good job. They've done a good job up front, and it's made life you know, easier for Zeke and Tony Pollard. But Zeke is also a much better back this year than he's been the last three years. 
Yeah, yeah, Brawley, I agree. I think that the this when you watch the Charger game, they took the Chargers off the ball. I mean, they just yeah. mauled them off the ball. And the Eagles' strength, as you know, is their is their defensive front, and they neutralized that defensive front greatly. So, yeah, I think there's no doubt they've improved, and and I think obviously it's one of the strengths of their football team. You know, but we were just having a discussion about the Chicago Bears. <laughs> you and I both okay. know the Chicago Bears intimately, Baldy. What do you think Matt Nagy's going to do at quarterback this week? I don't think you can put Justin Fields back out there, Mike. I really don't. I mean, I, that's the last thing that you wanted to have happen, what happened in Cleveland last week. Um, you know, Jadevian Conley looked like the clowny of old. Miles Garrett basically hit him just about every time he lined up. I mean, it was really bad. Now, I don't know what the hell status of Andy Dalton is, but it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, not to be a sacrificial lamb, but I, it wouldn't surprise me to see Nick Foles out there this week. I mean, I I just don't think you put Justin Fields back out there. I mean, you, you really stand a chance of just scarring this kid early. And there's a world of talent there, but he really didn't know where to go with the ball a couple of times. Um, the design didn't help him. But, you know, when you're lining up with the Fetty right now, Jason Peters on the edge, I mean, you're just not going to have much time to make a decision and to figure out where to go with the ball. Yeah, Brian, that's yeah, so I fast. Mean, yeah. Well, I, one thing I baldy. Let me ask you this question: If we, if you and I are in a meeting room and we're getting ready, to, we're the Chicago Bears, and we're getting ready to play the Cleveland Browns, right? Before we start doing anything in our meeting, right? You and me, we're going to pick the right. What's the number one thing we're going to write on the board? We, we can't let Miles Garrett that. screw. Yeah, we can't let Miles yeah. Garrett mess up the game, right? How does yeah. this happen? <laughs> well, I mean, they, 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 they kind of treated him like he was just another guy, Mike, to be honest with you. I, mean, I, I know, I know. After blocking and, you know, then they try to influence him a little bit, which is kind of ridiculous. And so, you know, Miles Garrett moved all over the place. I mean, that's part of the, the plan of Cleveland is to keep him moving so you're not really sure he rushed inside. You know, he rushed over the left, uh, the right tackle a lot over Jason Peters at left tackle. So they move him around, but still, you got to know where 95 is every play, you know, because he will ruin the game. He'll put you out of the game. He's done that, you know, for his four years in his career right now. It is fascinating, guys, because, again, I'm just coming from the Chicago area, and it's been a focal point here for a couple of years now with the offensive line. Just doesn't seem like it's getting fixed there. So, really, whoever they're putting back there feels like they're really going to struggle. The same scenario feels true in New York with the Giants, Brian. And I look at them and I go, what are they doing offensive line-wise that maybe we're not seeing what Danny Dimes can potentially be? Are you seeing the same thing I am? Yeah, I am. I mean, they got Ben Breederson in there. I mean, look, they've got two guys on the offensive line starting, and Billy Price, you know, and Ben Breederson, um, you know, because of injuries and defections and guys that retired. And, you know, I mean, that's, they weren't there during training camp. They've been brought in since, you know, camp ended. So they're trying to learn on the go. Um, you know, and look, the, the right tackle, Nate Solder, God bless him. He's a good guy, but, I mean, he's really struggling out there right now. Their best offensive lineman from a year ago is in Baltimore. So, you know, they, they didn't really address it much. They didn't address it at all during the draft. And, you know, it's, it's paying the price right now. And, you know, Daniel Jones makes a lot of good plays. He makes a lot of bad plays. Uh, you know, the, the amount of times he puts the ball on the ground, it's a 14-14 game, and Dante Fowler, you know, beats the right tackle, gets the ball out of his hands. I mean, it's, it's critical turnovers by him, you know. Um, you know, he's just not consistent enough at the position. 
And they're not very good up front. Grady Jarrett had his best game probably in a couple of years against them last weekend. And so, you know, he drew holding penalties and beat guys individually, and then he beat double teams and was chasing, you know, Daniel Jones all over the field. So it wasn't a good day up front for the Giants. Yeah, I, well, I mean, that offense is – you know, we could we could have a whole two hours on the <laughs> Coach Garrett offensive thing of philosophy. Is there a worst offense that you've watched this year than the Jets, Baldy? No, no, not no, not at all. Uh, you know, I, you know, like look, Denver's got a you know they got a world class defense up there. They do a lot of things. They don't reveal what they're in until after the snap, Mike. They're a cover two shell every play, and then they move, and so. You know, Zach Wilson's not really sure what they're going to do, and I don't know if the receivers knew what they're going to do until that. But I don't see any of the design that I thought I was going to see from a Kyle Shanahan offense where Mike LaFleur came from or, you know, even what Matt LaFleur is doing in Green Bay. You know, they're not they're not a two-back offense like both those teams are uh, and can be. Um, I, I just don't see the wide zone, you know, some of the plays that come off it. I don't see the emphasis on it. Um, you know, I think it's just really tough for Zach Wilson to play right now. And I thought maybe Corey Davis could be that guy, at least watching him in preseason, but he's he's not a number one wide receiver. And they paid him a lot of money to be a number one wide receiver. I got to get both y'all's opinion on this, because one thing that I've kind of picked up through the years is if a team struggles or quarterback struggles, it's because the offensive line but when a quarterback plays well, the offensive line very rarely gets the credit. And I'm going to go back to the Super Bowl last year with Patrick Mahomes. All I heard after that game was, yeah, it wasn't Patrick Mahomes. As a matter of fact, he had some of the best incompletions you're ever going to see. The offensive line was in disarray, and that's why they got blown out by the Buccaneers. And then I see what Patrick Mahomes did last week against the Chargers, and I go, wait a minute, I thought they fixed the offensive line, so which is it? I mean, Brian, is it always the evaluation of the quarterback? Is it always predicated on a good offensive line before we actually judge these quarterbacks? Well, I mean, they turned the ball over four times last week, uh, you know, and that's never going to be a good thing. It was 14 nothing until the final 30 seconds of the first half. I mean, the Chargers just, uh, you know, they, they created those turnovers, though. You know, so I'm watching the offensive line. I'm watching Trey Smith put people on their backs every play for Kansas City. They got three rookies over there. They played fine. Zeus and Tooney are fine on the left side. They're going to be a good football team if they stop turning the ball over. They need a – they need a deep option right now. They're having a hard time getting the ball down the field for a chunk play. They just can't rely on Patrick Mahomes to run around and, you know, wait for Tyreek Hill to uncover or Travis Kelsey. That's what got him in trouble in that game. But they ran the ball a lot better last week with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He's got to stop fumbling, though. He fumbled in mm-hmm. back-to-back weeks. And, uh, you know, it's really hurt that football team. Tyreek Hill lost a fumble. He's never fumbled in his career in Kansas City. So, you know, I mean, the turnovers really hurt them last week. But I thought – I thought they showed signs up front that this this offense line, I think, before it's all said and done, is going to be pretty good, and I think you're gonna, you're going to be able to count on them, you know, in big games. Well, the big game this week, okay? You know, we both live here in the Philadelphia area. We all know we all know that it's either the world's coming to an end or they're winning a Super Bowl. <laughs> There's never in the middle with Philadelphia fans. So, give us your take on Jalen Hurts. And give us your take on where you think this game will go. A lot of people instinctively, I mean, there's no way Jonathan Gannon can play cover two and sit the way he did against Dallas or Andy's going to put 40 on him. I mean, tell me how you think this one's going to go. Well, they got to change defensively. I mean, that's for sure. I mean, that was as soft as you can possibly play it. And 
Dallas didn't have to really do a whole lot. I mean, they just gashed them. They were a man short, you know, I mean, just constantly because those safeties were so far down. Even in the red zone, Mike, I mean, the, safe, the safeties are sitting five yards deep in the end zone. I, I, you know, I'm not, I don't, you know, guard your goal line, but don't give them, you know, just don't give them the touchdown. They ran it to the one-yard line. They ran it to the one. It was a joke. Um, offensively, Mike, look, you, you can't play offense the way the Eagles tried to play on Monday night. I mean, your quarterback has got protection number one. Uh, the protection was there for a lot. You just can't take off with the ball uh, every time you drop back. You got to trust the protection. You got to stay in the pocket. You got to let plays develop. You know, I mean, they made the Cowboys look like you know they were the Super Bowl champs on Monday night, and they're not. They're they're improved, but they're not that. Um, you know, and then you you can't hand the ball off to Miles. You know, Miles in, Sanders. Miles Sanders, mm-hmm. with seven minutes to go in the second quarter for the first run of the day. I mean, you just can't do that. So, you know, they've lost three offensive linemen, Mike, in the first three weeks. That's not a good thing. <laughs> um, so that, that's, that's going to hurt them. But they can't, play, they can't play offense the way Jalen Hurts is trying to play offense right now. You know, it's, it's not even a good college offense. You know, you just can't run around back there and, and uh, you know, slide into home plate and think that that's offense. So, I don't know what, what the answer is there. Uh, you know, it wasn't very good in the second half against San Francisco either. Was it good on the goal line? Uh, they got to find something that they're good at. You know, and my, my idea is that, you know, you've got to get back to, you know, run the ball with Sanders and Gainwell and try to get that moving first before they can do anything else. All right, we are just Thanks, about Balding. out of time. Yeah, it's great having you on, Brian Baldinger. Of course, watch him on yeah. uh, NFL Network. Thanks, Follow dude. him on Twitter at BaldyNFL. Could listen to you guys talk offensive line all day long. Don't go anywhere. Lou Finicaro is going to join us a little bit later on this hour right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, get Creighton, you don't watch Creighton. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shane and the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of and those. Then have, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? See the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. 
I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com to check the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. Data is available for money line over-unders and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at VEASAN.com. Back here on the Lombardi line, Dave Ross alongside Michael Lombardi. It was great having Brian Baldig around with us uh, talking offensive line play. I, I could get mesmerized just listening to you guys break it down. We're going to have Lou Finicaro is going to join us a little bit later on this hour, breaking down some NFL and also some UFC plays. And Michael, he tried to give me good advice last week. I didn't listen to him. I should have listened to Lou. We'll discuss with him a little bit later on. Uh, but I did want to get your thoughts here. Uh, when you look at some of these teams here, if you want to bet some, some totals, okay? And so far, the best over teams in the NFL right now. We've got uh, two that are still undefeated at 3-0 and and three there at 2-1. and And you see the uh, the total plus minus. Obviously, when you lose a game, that's going to go to the minus and you don't hit that over. But interestingly enough, I, I guess we all get it with, with Boy Genius and, and Sean McVay and the Rams. The Buccaneers surprises me a little bit here, Michael, because we thought their defense was going to be better. So are you a little bit like me that you're a little bit concerned that defensively they, they are not where they were when they won the Super Bowl a year ago? Or do you trust them to get that figured out and maybe the overplays are something you might want to start to really look at before you just blindly put it on the box? Well, I mean, they can't. They haven't been able to rush. They haven't been able to give. They haven't been able to disrupt the quarterback, right? And they haven't been able to cause any problems in that area. And, and I think what we saw in the Super Bowl last year was their ability to disrupt the passer. Because look, this is as old as as, the, as anything in the National Football League. You never are going to stop a good quarterback with coverage. You're just not going to do it. Right. You have to do it with pressure. And unfortunately, right now they can't get pressure. Sue has a sack. You know, Shaq only has one. They only have three sacks as a team. You know, they can't generate that pressure. And what happens to you is on four, on third down, because they don't, 
they're allowing 53.2%. Now, they've played two really good quarterbacks, Dak and, and Matthew Stafford. Granted that. I mean, the Atlanta put 25 on him, and Matt Ryan is averaging six yards per attempt, the Ugh. lowest in his career. He's been horrible. He's been horrible. But I think the biggest issue is because teams know they can't run the ball in the Bucs. So it's an all-pass game. It becomes an all-pass game. And because it's an all-pass game, those corners have to cover longer. They've got to be able to stay in in, in man-to-man, and they just can't win it. I mean, this team has been very fortunate. They've outscored their opponents 30-6 to in the fourth quarter. 30-6 to in the fourth quarter, and that's been the difference. They've scored 103, and they've allowed 88. If it wasn't for the fourth quarter differential, this team would be negative. I mean, they've taken the game over in the fourth quarter, and they've taken the game over in the third quarter. They've scored 42 points in the third quarter. 42. They scored. Wow. They basically scored 40 in the first half. They scored 42 in the third quarter. So they've adjusted to the game plan really well. You see the plus minus there with the Bucs. They've been kind of the easiest play so far to hit the over. And remember, last week against the Rams, it was scoreless after one, and it still went over the posted total uh, with those final three quarters. Maybe the biggest surprise to me, obviously not the Rams there at 3-0 and uh, going over, but it really is Washington at 2-1. and We've talked about them a little bit in this program about their defensive uh, issues that they're having. But again, I mean, I played the over last week against Buffalo because I don't believe in their offense. Do we give any credit to Taylor Heineke in the offense for being able to score some points here? Or is this all just a regression by that defense? I think, look, I think the defense is bad. I think, I think this could be an over get play here too, because I think both defenses are not very good, you know, in, in Atlanta. But the problem I have with Atlanta is their numbers are so bad offensively. I mean, they can't, Matt Ryan is not playing well. He's just not, no, and they not. have no real. They have no real ability. To, I mean, I love Mike Davis, I do, but he averages under four yards a carry. They can't really run the ball. Their best player offensively, their be, are you sitting down? Their best player offensively is Cordell Patterson. Whoa! They have to get. They ran a bubble screen to him. They ran a quick screen to him. He got him in the field goal range. That was the play. Patterson has been the player. Ridley's at under ten yards a catch. Ridley Kyle Pitts is at his longest pass play is twenty five yards. Patterson has the longest pass play at 28 because he's been able to do something with the ball in his hands. If they didn't have Patterson, I don't know where they'd be. It is is fascinating. And, and it isn't like they've played. It isn't like they've played great defenses. And the Eagles beat them up up front. Yeah. But the Bucks and the Giants struggle defensively, and they can't get the ball down the field. And this team has been outscored 38 to 10 in the fourth quarter. They've been outscored 38 to 10. So what does that tell me? I always classify teams by this is a 50-minute team or this is a 45-minute team or this is a 55-minute team. The Falcons are about a 48-minute team. They can play even with you for 48 minutes, but once you get to the last 12 minutes of the game, they got nothing left. There's nothing left. Now, they were able to beat the Giants because the Giants are about a 48-minute team too. But it's fascinating, Cordell Patterson, because in Chicago, I, I remember it well that, you know, the, the Twitter coaches and GMs out there couldn't stand whenever he got the ball. And I thought, well, the guy kind of produces wherever he's been. And I know he's kind of a hybrid player and they try to figure him out. But to your point, if Atlanta, if you can't get your rookie going here and your top five pick going, which is kind of astonishing to me, Patterson is making plays. So maybe that's, that's the outlet for Arthur Smith going forward to try to get creative with this offense. Here's why Patterson is a better runner. His first round pick of the Vikings. The kid is not, and I'm going to say this very politely, he's not a player that you could move around to a lot of different positions. Okay? He is, and when he plays receiver and it, he has to think and run at the same time, it, he slows his game down a little bit. 
when the Patriots had him, they moved him to running back mm. because they said, why just why are we going to mess around with this? We'll just put the ball in his hands. And yep. it opened up his career. Yep. It opened up his career. Absolutely. Kick returner as well. You're right. He's a great runner. He needs that football in his hands. He's not a receiver. I, th- I think you're exactly right on that point. Let's flip the script here and talk about under teams so far, Michael, and whether or not these trends you see as continuing. We've talked about the Jets with Baldinger and that awful, awful offensive line. They just can't seem to do anything. They've been the easiest play for the under so far through three games. The Panthers, I attribute that to their, their defense and what they've been able to do defensively. I don't think their offense is is, uh, is porous. I think it's you know, obviously McCaffrey's going to be out now going forward, but they can actually move the ball offensively. Their defense has just been that stout along with the Broncos. What do you make of the Chargers? That surprises me the most here that so far they've been a solid underplay. Well, I think when you look at the Chargers, right, and you examine them, they play Washington in the opener. Okay, no big deal. Washington's not a great offense, but they did have Fitzy in the game a little bit, right? Then they come back and play a really good Dallas team. They hold Dallas to 20 points. And if their offense would have done anything in the red zone against Dallas, they would have won that game. And then they go into Kansas City and hold Kansas City to 24. They hold And they haven't played great, but they've been good in the red zone. They've allowed 50% on third down, which is not great. And teams have run the football on the Chargers. The teams, get this, we're talking about a great defense. They average 5.8 yards a carry against the Chargers' run defense. Wow. 5.8. 5.8. But where they're really good is you can't make big plays on them. The longest pass play you've gone against them is 34 yards. So it proves the theory that if you can keep eliminate the big plays, let teams run the ball on you. Who cares? Right. Running leads to field goals. That's all it does. Running leads to field goals. Now, the Chargers, for them, they got to button it up. They got to come out of halftime and score more than three points because they've only scored three points in the third quarter. Mm. They've only scored three points in the third quarter. They got to button that up and they got to come out with a second game plan. They've got to change what they're doing. And if they do that with these weapons, I mean, look, Mike Allen's, Mike, Mike Williams is sensational. Allen's, Keenan Allen's great. Eckler is one of the best receivers, runners, combination guys. This is a good team. It's a good team. And, and, and they're playing defense. Very good situationally. You look at their numbers, well, they can run the ball, but where they get off the field is when they when they can really put pressure and they make you in long-distance situations. Yeah, maybe it's a good underplay again against the Raiders on Monday night, and the numbers uh, kind of lead us in that direction. I, I wonder about the Patriots here, and obviously you expect Bill Belichick to play good defense. Obviously, offensively, they are struggling. We talked about the Bucks; They've been a solid overplay. They come in Sunday night. Everybody's going to be talking about Brady and breaking the record and you know the, the, the reunion of those two. But what do you make of that underplay there? Is it an underplay? Because something's got to give with the Bucks being 3-0 to the over and the Patriots being 3-0 to the under. Well, the problem with the Patriots has been they've played good enough on defense. I mean, you know, they've held a quarterback, opposing quarterbacks to a 65.9 uh, rating. The, 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 they average 6.7 yards per attempt. The opponent. The problem is their offensive line. I thought it was going to be the strength of their team this year. I really did. They'll get Trent Brown back. That's key for them. But they've got to play better up front. And the reason they're not been able to make plays down the field is because they can't protect. They haven't been able to protect. And Matt and Matt has Mac, Mac Jones has gotten hit way too much. He's six sacks here this year, Oof. which, you know, that's two sacks per game. But the reality of it is he's gotten hit way too much. The disappointing thing about the Patriots this year has been their offensive line. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting because you would think 
you don't want to get into a shootout with Brady. So are they going to try to run the ball and get that offensive line going? Oh, they're going to control the pace of the game. They're going to control the pace. They're going to stick runs in there just to keep that clock going. They want to play less defense. They need to play about 28 minutes, 27 minutes of defense. Yeah, limit possessions. That seems to be the best way to try to pull the upset against Brady and company. All right, when we come back, Lou Finnecaro is going to join us. And again, I just wish I'd listened to Lou more on this program a week ago. He's going to give us some good advice, not only in the NFL, but also the UFC. Come on back. It's the Lombardi Line right here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. This football season, your best sports betting season ever. Start your VEASAN free trial today to get full access to our sports betting experts, including 24-7 video streaming, daily best bet emails, betting splits with the money, and ticket percentages on every game, plus full access to VEASAN.com data and analysis. You get everything VEASAN has to offer for only $22 per month. Sign up now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. One of those experts here, a VEASAN contributor, is Lou Finicaro. Does great work here in the NFL space and also the UFC, UFC space. And I wish, Mike, I'd listened to Lou last week because he would have made me some money if I'd listened to Lou in the UFC 266 picks. He was right on. But, Lou, before we get to the UFC, which I can't wait to pick your brain about, Michael and I have talked a lot about this Lions and this Bears game this weekend. It's kind of a hold-your-nose spot. I get it. Bears now, uh, it's a three-point line right now at BetMGM. What do you make of this matchup on Sunday? I make that when you wake up on Sunday and you turn that game on, you're going to think that you went back in time and you're watching Alex <laughs> Karras and Bobby Douglas. Uh, th- these are, these are, this is going to be an old-fashioned slobber knocker where, in my opinion, the Bears are going to have to get that running game working. I expect it to be Dalton or uh, Foles that will be quarterbacking. And in either case, I look to see the Bears that I saw against Cincinnati before Dalton got hurt than I did uh, the team that we saw last week. With Fields in there, it's like sticking your finger into a light socket. It didn't work. They've taken criticism. And the reaction from all of that is now the Bears aren't giving six to Detroit. They're only giving three. I'm not afraid. I like the Bears in this spot. They're at home, and I think we're going to get a stable quarterback back there in a bounce-back game for Chicago. You know, Lou, I think you're right. I think, look, there can't be a worse defense in football than the Detroit Lions. They are slow, slow, slow. And they give up an average of 10.2 yards per attempt. They have one interception on the season, one. And, you know, so they, they can't cover, and they really can't play zone, they can't play man, and they don't rush very well. So, to me, this is the perfect get-well game for the Bears, who, you know, they took away Cincinnati. They played well against Cincinnati. And the Bears' defense last week was good enough to win that game against Cleveland. There's no doubt. And the Bears can get some pressure on the opposing quarterback. Detroit, I think, will have a hard time in this game. I'm with you. If you're going to play anybody here, it's play the Bears because he's going to play. If Dalton's healthy, he's playing Dalton. He is to play it. And like Baldy said, I've said, and you've now said, it's either going to be Dalton or Foles. It ain't going to be Fields. 
Yeah, totally, totally concur with that, gentlemen. I, I think that's exactly the right way to, to handicap this game here. You're getting a good number with the Bears, and we're expecting Andy Dalton to be QB1 again if he's healthy enough to go. If not, maybe it is Nick Foles, and probably not a big drop-off there. Let's talk about the Seahawks and the Niners here on Sunday. And, and Lou, what's your take here? Because after the Niners felt like they had that game one against Green Bay, I wonder if there's a hangover effect. What do you see here? I think there's a positive hangover effect. How do you not feel anything but compelled? Yeah, you lost the game because you left Aaron Rodgers too much time, but they showed grit and determination in coming back from being way down in the second half. The 49ers have nothing to hang their heads over. In fact, they're in a great spot this week because I view them as the more balanced team offense to defense. And while Seattle's got that white-hot offense, and I am worried about the cornerbacks of, of San Francisco matching up with Seattle, I look for San Francisco to control this game on the ground against another putrid defense in Seattle. And I think this is San Francisco. I'm not afraid to lay three here with, again, you've, you know, all three games we'll discuss are division games. A lot of familiarity here. Give me San Francisco at home minus three all day. If it goes to two and a half, I'll be happy to take that. Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson is averaging over 10 yards per attempt. And he's been sensational. And this will be probably the best defense the Seattle team will go against. I mean, Tennessee wasn't very good. We know the Colts weren't very good in the opener. And then last week, you know, Minnesota's defense, especially in the first half, wasn't very good. This will be the biggest challenge for Seattle. And I'm with you. Their defense has not played well at all. San Francisco's got to find a way to run the football, get their balance back. And, and if they do that, that's the perfect team to play, Seattle, because they really can't stop anybody. They can't stop anybody's running game. I mean, Tennessee came back from a big lead. They end up dominating the second half. And this is going to be a hard game for Seattle, the second road game mm. of a two-game road trip. Uh, I mean, the, the only reason we're not all over uh, San Francisco is everybody has that Russell Wilson fear factor. Exactly it didn't bother right. Minnesota last week. <laughs> it didn't bother Minnesota. And they were down 17-7 and came back and easily uh, won that game. Well, that's the home. last two weeks. Last two weeks, Dave, the teams have been down 24-7 and 17-7 to Seattle, and it's been no problem. They come right back in the game. Seattle's really, I mean, they could pay Jamal Williams all the money. They want. He can't cover anybody. Yeah. They, 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 can't, they can't play defense. Not at all. Not right now. And again, he's got to be in the box. If he's out of that box, he is a liability on defense. That's for sure. Let's talk about the Raiders undefeated 3-0, taking on the Chargers. Lou, you mentioned it. Another divisional rivalry game here. I, I know everybody feels like they're on the Chargers waiting for the other shoe to fall for the Raiders. What about you? No, I think this is a really good spot for the Raiders. I mean, if I'm in that locker room, I'm 3-0, and and you, you're getting no respect here, really. Uh, the Chargers... They look dynamic because you look at that statuesque quarterback of theirs and you can't help but be swayed. But the fact is that the Raider defense is totally overachieved. They got a nice uh, rookie cornerback uh, that's playing Hobbs. Crosby, the defensive end, is getting after it on the end. I look for the Raider D to continue to uh, overachieve. Hmm. And I think they're going to be able to force uh, San Diego into being, excuse me, LA Chargers into being somewhat <laughs> one-dimensional because they cannot run the ball. And if they, if the Raider D can make that team one-dimensional, I think the Raiders in three and a half are a great proposition. And I'm not afraid of the Raiders on the money line. Woo. 
You know, it, it, for me, this one, I think the Raiders, this is the first time they're going to play a legitimate passing game. I mean, we saw them against Baltimore, and I don't think, you know, Lamar made a few plays. He turned the ball over. Pittsburgh, we know Ben's stuck in cement. And Miami last week until the fourth quarter didn't show anything. I mean, this Raider defense has given up almost 4.8 yards per attempt. I mean, and a lot of that came in Baltimore with Lamar running. I get that. But I think this is going to be a really hard game for the Raiders because they're going to have to cover. They're going to have to play man-to-man. I mean, Gus Bradley should be familiar with the team. He knows Keenan Allen. He knows Mike Williams. How's he going to play it? This offensive line has played very well for for the Chargers. The right tackle is a liability right now. They've got to be able to help on Max Crosby. The left tackle has been, you know, if it wasn't an offensive lineman, he'd be a candidate for rookie of the year in Slater. So, I'm I'm a little weary of this one. This one, to me, I think it has all the potential to be a shootout. I think whoever has the ball last is going to win this game because I think both offenses will move the football. All right, I got chastised publicly when we had uh, Lou Finnecaro on, and I didn't talk enough UFC 266. So in the final couple of minutes here, we're going to Go look ahead, ahead to this. Have weekend. at it, guys. <laughs> I gotta ask you about Tiago Santos. Oh, Michael, this is gonna be fascinating. Johnny Walker against Tiago Santos. I can't wait. And Lou, I have a rule: don't fight a guy with, that has a sledgehammer tattoo on his chest. That's what Santos has. Now he's laying a pretty big number here. What do you make of this matchup? Uh, this could be a great uh, stylistic matchup. Johnny Walker uh, is really the size of a heavyweight, but fights a light heavy. Flat. He's flashy, fast, quick really flamboyant in his striking. That said, he's very incomplete in the ground game. Moretta, he is much more, and that's Santos, much more well-rounded, but he's lost a few fights coming into this. He's 37, a little bit more premeditated. It's gonna be critical for Santos to weather the first round and take this fast, speedy, flamboyant striker into round two, tire him out, and take him later in the fight. I don't like a side. I do like the over one and a half, Dave. Okay, good, because I was against you last week with Ortega against Volkanovski, and I lost you won, so I wanna be on the right side here with you. The Cowboys back in action. Alex Oliveira taking on Nico Price. This has got fireworks written all over it. What do you make of this matchup? First, Dave, I respect the fact that you have conviction in your own handicapping and didn't get off of your pick last week. Believe me, between you and I, we're going to go 50-50 as long <laughs> as we discuss these things. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm not I'm not quite believing all the uh, all that banter, but as far as Cowboy versus Bryce, you have two guys here that are crazy. Uh, in the in the form of Cowboy Oliveira, the Brazilian, this guy's crazy only in that he wants to to earn and th- therefore he takes fights to earn. Price He's got a little higher degree of crazy, but he believes he can win a championship, and I think he's got the determination and grit to do it. There's reasons that I don't like Cowboy Oliveira, and I don't like that to come into handicapping, but I believe Price is going to administer a beating to Oliveira, and I'll be looking forward to watching that. All I can say is, is you told me about Volk last week. I thought Ortega had that fight won. It was not won, and you cashed those tickets, so I tip my cap to you. Michael, I hope you enjoyed that UFC conversation because I, I love talking I did. with Gambo. I'm not Lou. playing any of it. I love it. Follow him on Twitter as I do. He's Thanks, a great Lou. follow. We are back with more Lombardi Line right here on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. 
Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my game. <laughs> Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Get your payout before the game's out with BetMGM. Place a money line wager on any Thursday night football game. And if your team is up by 10 or more at halftime, you win. That's a full payout for only half the game, no matter what happens the rest of the way. Simply go to BetMGM account and opt in each week to the Thursday night halftime payout promotion. Want to keep things rolling? Well, try BetMGM's extensive live betting options in the third quarter. Or use your winnings to place a one-game parlay on Sunday. New to BetMGM, download the app, see how you can turn halftime cash into cash time. Make a money 
money line bet on Thursday night. And if your team is up by 10 or more, you'll win at the half. Only at BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Opt-in required. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada or Pennsylvania. Back here on the Lombardi line alongside Michael Lombardi, I am Dave Ross. And Michael, I was going through Twitter and I saw Mm, a tweet. That's always dangerous. It's always dangerous. It's normally nothing good ever happens. Unless I'm following you, I like your tweets, especially when when you and Bill are having a great barbecue. But I saw this from Jordan Schultz, okay? And he said this, that Joe Judge, and I quote, said, analytics is just a tool. You can look at a stat sheet all you want. I promise you, if Excel was going to win football games, Bill Gates would be killing it right now. Now, I am one of those guys, Michael, that I think you Mm -hmm. should use analytics, certainly. And I also think you should coach from the gut and figure out tone and tenor of a game, whether or not to kick a field goal, even though the analytics might say good. Like, I understand that. But when Joe Judge puts out that statement, you know what social media is going to do with it. They're going to say, let's put the scarlet letter on him. He's not open to new ideas. Let's fire this guy. Those are the type of incendiary comments that now pass as incendiary. What do you make of that statement? Well, I think this. I think, look, when you're in the information business, which is essentially what you're in when you're in football, you're collecting data on a constant basis. You're collecting data from watching tape. You're collecting data from looking at stats. You're collecting data from evaluating players. You have to collect data from analytics. Now, where I think analytics gets really wrong, and one of the reasons why, you want to know why Philadelphia didn't run the ball in the first half last week? You want to know why? Why? Because in the game before against San Francisco, they ran it too much. And the analytics department said, we can't do that. I actually literally in my game notes, I had Philly will not try to run the ball in this game. They will wow. throw it because their analytics, because they don't believe that you should run the ball ever in, in analytics. They don't care if you're in a seven man front, eight man front, six man front. They think to a degree is right. Running the ball leads to field goals. I agree with that. They want to be an 11 personnel, one back, one tight end. And they want to throw it. Now, that's great. But the problem is if I, got, if I have the right tackle like the Bears have and I got T.J. Watt over there at left defensive end, I can't block them. So I can be an 11 all I want. I can't throw the ball. So there has to be a balance between numbers and players. It's like Baldy said. I mean, they treated him like he was just another receiver. Like when you're playing, when you're playing the Chiefs, Kelsey's not a Y. He's Kelsey. Right. Tyreek Hill's not a Z. He's Tyreek Hill, the best receiver in football. You got to treat them accordingly. And analytics just looks at numbers and they don't look at the players. So there's a little bit of a, you know, you should be in this formation. You should be in that. Everybody's an expert. What's the matchup? How are we going to win the game? Well, and I think that's where you get and judge judge his own worst enemy. I mean, you honestly, I read this on Twitter today and I, and this came from the beat writer for the, for the New York daily news. They're actually contemplating signing Isaiah Wilson from Georgia. Wow. I, look, here's the thing. Can you get any more desperate than that? No, I look, I watch the Cowboys closely as you know, Michael, right? And I see Kellen Moore and the way he's utilizing the run game along with Dak, short passing game, and then, of course, the, the deep ball over the top comes because of the things we just mentioned, right? So I'm really happy as a fan watching the way 
I don't know if that's analytically driven, the way he's calling games, but it's, it's effective. It's scheme-wise driven because he saw a seven-man front. Right. He saw a set with safeties that were so deep. That all he needed to do, football is a game of numbers. The running game is all about gaining a half-man advantage. That's all it is. We're just trying to gain a half-man advantage to a side. That's all we're trying to do. Right. Trying to gain a half-man advantage. And he, with the two safeties back, if you're in a seven-man front, you are a gap short. You're a gap short because there's eight gaps to defend. And if your safeties are that deep and you get a hat on a hat, you're going to run the ball. You're going to guarantee to run the ball. You might get eight yards. You might get nine. You might get ten. You might get seven. You might get four. But you're going to run the ball. You're going to run the ball. And you and good offenses don't get bored. Right. Good coaches don't get bored. And boredom sets in. And then when you have a chance to run a cover two beater like they did when they threw the touchdown pass to the tight end, you know, you, you take advantage of it. Same thing that Carolina did against Houston. Houston lined up in that cover two. They took, they took the profits. When you're playing against a team that plays cover two the way Lovey Smith does and the way Jonathan Gannon does, you're playing $2 blackjack, mm. right? Don't yeah. try to play $25 blackjack. Just take the $2 and keep making two bucks, two, making two bucks, keep going. You're going to win the game. But these analytics, there's a place for it, and I believe it. Like, when you know if I got into 11 personnel and they're run def- – like, if I'm playing the Cowboys and I can get into 11 and I have Neil number 42 in the box, I can run the ball against him. He's a little guy. And that makes sense to me. I wonder here, Joe Judge coming from the Belichick coaching tree and, and the way that Bill Belichick deals with the media. I, I can't imagine he would ever say something like this. Not that – to me, that it's that big a deal. But when you bring analytics into it, it's now. It's a firestorm, right? It's literally a firestorm. Are you surprised that he didn't take kind of a page from Bill in the sense of, I'm going to tell the media absolutely nothing. If this is what I be, believe about analytics, I'm just going to keep it to myself? I, I think he's trying to give himself some street cred. I really do, Dave. I think he's, he's a beaten guy. I mean, I wrote about this for the Daily Coach. You know, the, this organization, much like the Bears, are third-generation owners. Mm. And there's a thing called short, shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves. And what that means is whenever you get to a third generation of an owner, th- there's usually problems because of the unwillingness to change. Because you want to adhere to the founding fathers, and you want to do it their way, but now you've got a bunch of relatives working in the building <laughs> that only know one way to do it. That only know one way to do it. And so it becomes a real issue. And unless you have a leader who's willing to embrace some change, who's willing to take on the change, it becomes a real problem. That's why the Giants have only won 18 games over the last five years. You know, that's why they've been so bad. That's why the Bears are so dysfunctional, because they don't understand how to change the right way. The the Giants think they're changing because they try to do – no. All they do is keep changing faces, but the faces only know one way of doing it. So this feels like to you a way to say, I'm still in charge. I'm still the guy, my way or the highway. Look, since Tom, Tom Coughlin left that building, it has been a disaster, let's be honest, in New York, right? So is this Joe Judge's last stand, if you will? Because when you start making statements like that outwardly to the media, you know what people are going to start saying. He's lost touch. He's out of touch with reality. He's not in 2021 football. He needs to go. Yeah, I mean, I think this, look, if they fire Joe Judge after a second season, then that'll be the third coach they fired after two years. Right. They fired McAdoo, they fired Pat Shermer, and now they're going to – at some point you have to fire yourself. 
Mm. Like, if you want to fire a judge, go ahead and do it. But you better make sure you start, you build, tear the organization down to the pillars. And that's what I wrote about today. Like, they shouldn't do anything until they hire an outside consulting firm to come in and give John Mara exactly what's wrong with them. I wonder, Michael, and I know you've been in this position in the front office. Would you ever give it a coach advice as to what to say to the media? Because again, yeah, all the time. Okay, so this is a conversation that's going to have to have, be had now after this statement. I mean, I think what you have to do is convince them. Say, look, Joe, every time you talk to the media, you're talking to the team, the owner, and the fans. You can't look stupid in any of those. And today he looks bad when what he said. Because at the end of the day, I'm in the information business. I take all the information I can get. I analyze it. That's what you're in. Yeah. Well, look, this was a chic team. I, I got to be honest with you, Michael. I was kind of, as a Cowboy fan, a little bit worried about the Giants to win this division. 0 and 3, no signs of life. You've got the. I was. Right? You and Thomas Gable. Thomas Gable has. He, Thomas Gable literally has bets in his office. Super Bowl winning Giants. <laughs> He had he has liability on the Giants. Oh no! Well, what about the Giants now to have the worst record? Very quickly, about a, a thirty seconds on uh, plus six fifty. Is this a disaster? Are they off the rails now for good? I mean, I think I think it's going to well, look at look at their schedule. Yeah, look at their schedule. I mean, they got Carolina. I mean, they have maybe two games in the next that they can win. I'm with you. I don't see a whole lot of fear anymore. I was fearful of them at the beginning of the year at 0-3. I am not any longer. Michael Love, chopping it up, talking NFL with you. I want to thank Steve Magden, Brian Baldinger, and Lou Finicaro for joining us here on the Lombardi Line. Patrick is back tomorrow. Uh, great having you on the program as always, Michael. Enjoy. Thank you, thank you, David. Appreciate you. Thank you, Matt Santos. Matt Santos, great to have you back, and happy birthday to Mama Santos as well. Thanks for joining us here on the Lombardi Line. It is VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in, so you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex-
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. 